Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's Jesse Temple from The Athletic. We are back. Football season officially done. The season itself officially done into the offseason, which means... It's not really going to quiet down, but it is officially basketball season and the swing will be back uh, every week now from uh, here until whenever the Badger season ends. And after the first, what, uh, 13 games of the season, it's looking like it could go deep into March, Jesse. Yeah, I know we're coming off the game against Iowa. Couldn't be more impressed with the way Wisconsin played and they're off to a great start. Looking like they're putting it together with the rotation where everybody is contributing. So and they're scoring a bunch of points, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. Yes, they are. And you mentioned the uh, everyone contributing. There were a lot of questions after the game against Iowa, obviously, with some of the, the playing time decisions. I think Greg Gard knew those questions were coming, so he took them on without even <laughs> being asked. But we'll get to all that. Uh, we also have a, a special guest. It's our annual time with Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. Get his take on what he's seen from the basketball team through the first uh, couple months of the season. But yeah, let's... Let's start again. They, I mean, we've been off almost as long as they have uh, from the swing. They played one game in 19 days, I think. And so, again, they, they, they continue to move up the polls even without playing. They're, they're ranked 21 in the country. They took that ranking into the Iowa game on Tuesday night. And I look at, you didn't really know what you were going to get from Wisconsin because they had been off for so long, and it looked like it to start the game. They had seven turnovers in the first nine and a half minutes. I mean, they, they ended up with 13 total, so it's not like they got a ton better throughout the rest of the game, but it felt like they were a little sloppy to start and yet got some key contributions from Kamari McGee, and uh, they were able to withstand a, an early barrage from Iowa and then catch up, tied, and then obviously take control in the second half. But just the beginning, Jesse, you, could, could it kind of feel a little, a little rusty there, a little off? Yeah, it's also understandable because even in the games that you did play, you're not playing teams that are at the level of what you're going to see in the Big Ten. And also, we know Iowa likes to push the pace. It's how they've operated for years and years under Fran McCaffrey, and so that can be a bit of a challenge. But I also thought Wisconsin was able to adapt and adjust and play really a, a quality game after that start. They, they've had, what, six turnovers the last 30-plus minutes and were just able to outscore Iowa. I know Iowa hasn't been very good this season. I don't think they've won a game yet in Big Ten play, but Wisconsin shot the ball well. They distributed it, and again, those contributions from across the board, to me, is what I think is going to separate this Wisconsin team, uh, among other reasons. Yeah, again, they, as you said, it took a bit, but Kamara McGee coming off the bench, giving them three steals, and I believe at least two of those steals led to buckets. Then you get John Blackwell coming off the bench. Not like he scored a ton, but he gives you something defensively. As Greg Gard said after the game, they are as deep as they've ever been. And yet at times it can be, he said, uh, it could be a blessing and a curse. But right now it feels like you have a really good top seven that you feel good about. And then you have several others that are going to be able to get some time with them. I mean, I, I shouldn't even say seven, probably eight. And I'd put Connor Asijan on just outside of that eight. The, the three off the bench would be probably would be John Blackwell, Nolan Winter, and Carter Gilmore, right? And then I think it's kind of matchup-based, too. Yeah, Kamari, to me, was as impressive as he's been in a long time. You're not asking him to come in and score a bunch of points. He's in there for his defense, was able to carve out 10 minutes in a nice role, got those three steals within a um, pretty short time frame of each other. The first one was big because he just took it and went in for a layup. But even beyond that, there were a couple of plays that he had that just helped the offense operate smoothly. There was there was one on the perimeter where he, he got it and he was still in the air and he kicked it to the corner for Max Klesman for a three. He had another nice pass that led to a bucket. And you're not necessarily expecting that in every game, but if he can give you something like that, it allows those starters to rest a little bit more. You have more help in the backcourt. Everybody who played it did something. Carter Gilmore is, I mean, he made three free throws, was able to draw some fouls. Nolan Winter as well got a bucket off a nice pass from John Blackwell, who, while he didn't score a bunch, did a little bit of everything and had four rebounds. And we haven't even talked about the starters yet, which I know we'll get into. Uh, overall, I mean, you have four guys in double figures, and each of them went to work at different times in the game. 
They definitely did. And you look at that first half, it's tied going to the second half. It's probably, it's mean, it's neck and neck in the second half about until about the 10 minute mark. And then Wisconsin went on a, uh, I believe it was an 18 to eight run to take control of the game. A lot from Steven Crowell, but I think the two plays that stand out for me, and again, this was a little bit later when they were, they, I think they were up six at the time, but back-to-back plays by uh, Chucky Hepburn on defense resulting in baskets at the other end. Uh, he gets the steal and then gets out on the break and, laid down what ended up being, I think, number two on ESPN's or on SportsCenter's top 10 plays of the night, putting it off the backboard for A.J. Store to finish on top of uh, a Hawkeye. I think it was Stanford uh, who got uh, dunked on. And then the next play, they harass another They harass another turnover out, and he gets out and goes and gets the and one. Didn't make the free throw, but two huge plays there uh, by Chucky Hepburn, who was obviously not – Fully 100%. He did not practice fully uh, these last, you know, since the last time they played, but uh, certainly didn't look like it in that little sequence there. That was part of the game that decided the outcome because it was 53 to 52. Wisconsin had a one point lead. And then all of a sudden, you get those back to back huge plays that electrify the Cole Center. The one off the glass to AJ Store was just phenomenal. And Hepburn, Hepburn gets the, the second layup. It's 65-55. That's part of a 12-3 run that ended up being even greater, like you mentioned. And Iowa just didn't have enough juice left to make a game of it after that. That That's the run that won the game. And uh, I just, I know Iowa's defense hasn't been good for, feels like, centuries. Um, the ability for Wisconsin to score and execute consistently at a high level is just so impressive this season. It is. That was the... Seventh straight game of 70-plus points. Uh, as was mentioned on the broadcast last night, the, their average per game is its best, the best in the last 30 years. I think dating back to, what was it, 1993-94? Yeah, that team averaged 77.9 points per game, and, and Wisconsin this year is averaging 74.8. What's interesting to me, and maybe this is in part because it's been a while since we've done a show, but it almost feels like it's crept up. <laughs> I mean, I like they did. I mean, they did drop a hundred in the in first did. game. That certainly helps things. But we're we're into January now, and they've played thirteen games, and they've had those seven straight games with seventy plus points. Um, I, I did not. I did not know necessarily what to expect this season. Certainly thought Wisconsin would be much better than it was last year because of the depth. Because they'd added AJ Story, add those freshmen, but to be at about seventy five points per game at this point. Uh, says a lot about their ability. Now, what will that look like at the end of Big Ten play? You're going to play some serious grinded out games where you might have to win in the 60s. I think what it says really is that Wisconsin can win in a variety of ways, which is exactly what you're going to have to do in the NCAA tournament. And I suppose the hope would be that because you have so many players capable of scoring that you're not going to see the kinds of droughts that Wisconsin had last season that are just going to immediately knock you out in a big game. Yeah, I would agree. I was looking at Ken Palm this morning and Wisconsin's adjusted offense is 15th in the country. Um, do you know what they were last year? Um, well, there's 300 some teams. I'll say 302. <laughs> they were 140. Okay. Uh, so not 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 as bad, but I you know still not great, right? Uh, obviously not not great at all. And what they've done this year so far offensively, I think has been uh, impressive. They're they're 18th actually in. Um, in T rank as well, adjusted offensively. How confident are you that they can keep this up? Well, it's easy to say the confidence meter is high with Wisconsin on a bit of a run here. I think there are going to be some bumps in the road here over the next few months. On the other hand, you look at the Big Ten, and and while Purdue is considered the the top team in the conference, I I, I mean Wisconsin is right there with anybody else in the league, and I don't, I mean, Purdue's going to come to the Kohl Center and play Wisconsin, and I won't be shocked if the Badgers find a way to win that. So I I think there's going to be some tough moments, but I also think this is a team with the way that they're playing um, that has every opportunity to be a double-by top-four team in the Big Ten and get a really nice seed in the NCAA tournament. It's interesting because at this time last year, exactly at this time last year, Wisconsin was sitting there at 11-3, and I believe 3-0 and in the Big Ten, and obviously the Tyler Wall injury and Max Klesman injuries followed, but 
are kind of in a, a the same position. It's just that they're it seemed to be in, in so much better shape moving forward. So your confidence level is high that they can keep this up. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to average 75 points a game this season, and and I mean, there are going to be some moments where they struggle. But I think what they've shown so far is an indicator of um, a whole lot more good on the way. And I actually screwed that up. The, the the adjusted efficiency, offensive efficiency, they're 16th in the country. How um, dare you? I was looking at their overall Ken Palm ranking, so I apologize about that to everybody who was probably like, no, that's not true. That's not true. They were yelling at their phones because they looked at it this morning and were like, this guy's an idiot. I am an idiot, and I can admit that, and I, mix, I missed it up. I was off by one. Apologies to everyone. Let's talk about AJ Store because he is – electrifying. He is a type of guy that obviously Wisconsin didn't have last year, but he is in in terms of explosiveness and getting after it at the rim. He is up there with some of the guys that you think about Wisconsin all time that did it, whether it's Johnny Davis, Khalil Iverson, Lando Tucker, name name a guy and be like, yeah, he he was he's in that class right now, I would say. And it's again, score any way you can. But when you score the way that he does with some of the powerful dunks that he has, it adds a little bit more to it. I, I know they're all worth two points, but it adds a little bit more to it and gives you that juice. Absolutely. You hear on the broadcast him talking about how he brings a dynamic that Wisconsin hasn't had in a long time. Um, maybe people forgot about Johnny Davis, but uh, a little bit <laughs> different, a little bit different in terms of how AJ store plays, but just look at the variety of ways in which he scored against Iowa. The first one, he's got the ball on the perimeter and he just drives all the way, all the way to the hoop and dunks. He is so physical. He had a couple alley-oop dunks. We mentioned the one that Chucky threw off the glass. Max Klesman threw him one. He had a really nice, the, probably the, the hardest shot that he made was he did. He had a crossover drive. He got to the left baseline, picked up his dribble. It looked like there were three Iowa defenders right there, and he just kept pivoting, pivoting, pivoting until he found just enough space to make that shot. He hit a three. They ran a play that was specifically designed for him to get a post up on McCaffrey in the in the paint because he's so physical and he scored. So that is a true three-level score. Um, I, I guess I didn't mention a lot of mid-range game, <laughs> shots, but he has that too, and and you're right. It's it's the physicality that he plays with, but it's the tenaciousness and willingness to get to the rim. And those are the kinds of plays that can be infectious and they can obviously impact your teammates. And when you're at home, it sends the crowd into hysterics. So it is just so fun to watch him play. And when he is that aggressive, it puts Wisconsin into a different gear. Can we expect Tyler Wall to go 11 from 13, 11 to 13 from the free throw line every game? Well, I mean, they shot a ton. They should, as a team, they shot 35, I think it was, which was, I believe, their second most this year. It was the third time they've topped 30 this year, which, again, it's a hell of a lot of free throws. But what do you think on Tyler Wall? Because if, if, if he's going to hit his free throws, watch out. He has improved so much in that area. I think he missed his first one and then weighed, what, 10 in a row? He was 10 for 11 at one point, maybe 11 for 12, something like that. But he's shooting 68.4%. The big key here is getting Crowell and Wall to shoot as well as they are at the free throw line. You're not asking them to hit 80% of their shots, but they're both around 68%. And when you've got other guys around them who shoot at a, at a much higher clip, I mean, Max Klesman's missed three free throws all season. AJ Storrs missed six. And John Blackwell's missed eight. But all three of those guys are shooting anywhere between 83 and 88%. When you've got the right guys getting to the line and the guys who haven't been as successful shooting at a better rate than they have before, that's how you have a team hitting 76% from the line. That is such uh, an important difference maker in in games that are going to be decided down the stretch. I think going into last night, they were leading the Big Ten in free throw percentage. I don't know if that is still the case. Uh, they're now shooting, uh, what is it, 76% of the team. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's still uh, leading the Big Ten. It probably isn't, but... What was what, the whole thing? And it hasn't been this way for a really, really long time. Uh, but it was make more free throws than your opponent takes. Like that was a big thing for Bo back in the day. It hasn't been that way for probably 10 years, uh, maybe even longer than that. But certainly what they're doing right now, they're just behind that. Uh, they've got, they've made 212. Their opponents have taken 223. So they're, they're in that, that realm of being able to get 
back to that maybe at least just this year. We'll see if it ends up being that way. The funny thing about Stephen Crowell and what he's shooting at the free throw line, he's actually shooting better from three-point line. Uh, he's he's 68%, 68.1% from the free throw line, 68.8% from beyond the arc. Again, Jesse, what do we have to do? Do we? I mean, <laughs> who do we need to talk to to get him to uh, start looking at the basket a little bit more? Maybe it only happens in short bursts. Like if he takes more than three in a game, it'll fall off the the rails. I really don't know. Uh, on the free throw thing, Wisconsin actually still does lead the Big Ten. Do they? In, in free, it's seventy six percent, and Ohio State second at seventy four point nine. Oh, okay. Uh, so I got a big so lead. That, so that's pretty impressive. And in coming into that game, Wisconsin was I think twenty fifth, so top twenty five in the country in free throw percentage. Um, so obviously that's a tremendous advantage for the Badgers with Crowell. It's unbelievable what he's doing at the three point line. Now, I think a lot of it is he's most of those threes. He's wide open. I mean, because of his ability to pick and pop because of how he plays in the paint, there are going to be situations where he ends up popping free on the perimeter and there's just not a big man there. or They haven't been able to switch. And so to me, a lot of it is just picking and choosing his spots. And when he is open, he seems to take it and make it. You wouldn't want him to take forced opportunities. But if you get two of those every game and he does what he does in the paint, you can see what kind of a difference it makes for him to get a double-double. I think that was his third double-double this season, the seventh of his career. We always hear about he is, when he wants to be, he is a dominant player. It's just getting him to want to be more frequently. When he plays like that, it it's, uh, adds another layer to the Badgers. It does. It does. Wisconsin's now beaten Iowa four straight times. Little disappointed at Fran last night, I'll be honest. Because you um, didn't see a Fran from? There was nothing. There was there was nothing. Wisconsin shot 35 three free throws and there was nothing. Do you think he's resigned to the fact that I was just not good because I was <laughs> eight and seven and zero oh and four right now and dead last in the Big Ten? Uh <laughs> you would think that that would piss him off even more. Maybe it's boiling inside of him. I don't know, but I mean, there there were a couple. I, I believe there was once one or twi- one or two incidents earlier this year where you could you could see the Brantrum uh, potentially, you know, and you got obviously the the different zones of uh, the Francon, right? Francon three, Francon four, all those good stuff. I I have not seen him at uh, Francon one yet, uh, so we'll see if that actually happens this year. The team, you're right, not very. Not very good. Again, they can score. They just can't play defense against anybody. Anybody. I mean, and, and when have they? Well, that's the problem. And, <laughs> and maybe this is a conversation we, we can have with Jim, but when you look at Wisconsin right now and the way that they're shooting, and I should say the way they're shooting, but the way that they're playing on offense, like you still need a defense. Like you can score 70-something points a game. You can be the highest scoring offense in the last 30 years for the Badgers, but you still need to play defense because some nights the ball's not going to fall. So you have to be able to play defense, and I that's person, and and maybe I, this is just a without digging into exactly what Iowa has done in the tournament in terms of uh, their offense and not winning games in that situation. The offense can disappear at any time. You know, shots you can't force shots to go down. You can play solid, good defense that will keep you in every game, if even if your shots are not. And I kind of think that's one of the reasons Iowa has not been able to get out of the first weekend of the tournament is because. Sometimes their offense ain't going to show up and they are just so poor defensively or at least have been historically that it's it's not going to work. I'd say that feels pretty accurate to me, but I guess if you're a Badgers fan and you don't like watching Fran McCaffrey, you won't have to worry about it in the NCAA tournament, barring a miracle. Again, they're going to beat people. I, I know they will. Their, their offense, you know, where they are and it's not the type of offense they've had in the past. They do have a few young players, though, that are Really talented. Um, some guys that really gave Wisconsin all they could handle last night. So, uh, But defensively, they're in the 120s, I think, in terms of defensive efficiency. It's, that's tough. That's tough. And we do welcome in Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. Jim, appreciate you jumping on. This is normally the time we get you on, right? After we get uh, a couple of months under our belt, see what Wisconsin is about. You've seen them. Have they raised your expectations for what is possible this year? Is it about the same? Or or 
I guess I could ask you less, but I don't think they are. Where would you see your expectations for this team compared to where they were to start the year? Yeah, I think I'm encouraged is probably the word I'd use. Um, the The thing is, I thought all along this could be a top five in the Big Ten team. Uh, and that was just based on, I thought guys that were coming back would have would have better years. I just counted on Tyler Wall bouncing back, Stephen Crowell being more consistent, you know, another year of of Max Klesmit and then Chucky Hepburn just taking a step too. So that was just based on returnees. And then I thought AJ Stewart would add something. Um, and I thought a freshman would add something. I don't know that I thought it would be John Blackwell. So I would say top five when the year started. Um, but now I think, I think this is one of the second or third best teams in the big 10. Now, we can get into this, but I think the Big Ten is not a good league. Um, so it's a little bit by default there. But uh, I, I've been encouraged, and I, I think this team has um, some really nice pieces. And I always think it's a little bit premature to talk about March on January 3rd. But, you know, I think this is a dangerous team come NCAA tournament time. Who's impressed you the most? I mean, I feel like this falls into two categories. <laughs> AJ Storrs probably at the top. Got newcomers and, and guys who have been around. Yeah, so I think AJ Store and John Blackwell are the two that come to mind immediately. Um, I knew Store was good, and just after watching him, uh, some St. John's stuff, and uh, I just thought he was exactly what this program needed. You know, they need more athletic wing types, guys that get to the basket. Um, but he's exceeded my expectations. I didn't count on him being a uh, you know fifteen points a game scorer necessarily. Um, and he's got a chance. He's been really the big reason why they just they don't get in droughts. Um, he's kind of that X factor that can eliminate long scoring droughts because he just he can score in so many ways, get to the basket, he's so explosive. But Blackwell's right there in terms of I just didn't think he'd be a rotation piece this year. And I'd heard some good things about him in the summer, um, but you never know because you hear that stuff, you just don't know what to expect. Um, and he's he's been great. I mean, he's just. He looks like he belongs, and he's looked like he's belonged from the from the get go. Um, I keep waiting for a drop off or a freshman wall, and maybe that's still to come. But man, he's he is um, he's another piece that's kind of exactly what they needed a, a, an athletic guy that can score in a variety of ways. This is the open gym portion of the show. Uh-huh. There were, there were a couple. If you guys haven't seen it or heard it, you can either read Jim's open gym on uh, on the the website. What's what's that called again? It's called BadgerExtra.com. BadgerExtra.com. Right? Yep. Uh, or you can also he does a couple special uh, questions with the uh, uh, podcast version, right? Correct. Yep. So, all right. Well, there, we obviously ask for questions from Twitter and from uh, and threads, and we get some. And I, I thought a couple of these will actually be good for you to to try and answer. So I'm going to start with uh, this one from Matt. He says, uh, "Is freshman six man John Blackwell better?" Than freshman six man Johnny Davis. Well, that's a good one. Uh, I would say this, and Greg Gard admitted this. Uh, he should have played Johnny Davis more as a freshman. Played twenty four minutes. Oh, I guess I didn't know that number would be so high. Maybe he should have played thirty. I remember Greg Gard saying that after the season, um, and then that team, you know, that team struggled in a lot of ways. Uh, and then we saw what it's easy. It's easy to see what Johnny becomes in year two and say, oh, he should have played him more in year one. Yeah, um, but. What was the question? Is he better than that version? Is is Blackwell as a six man this year better than Johnny Davis was as a six man in 2020 and 21? Yeah, it's probably recency bias and somewhat too that I just, it's unexpected. I think Johnny, I thought would be a player right from the get go. Um, I, did, I just didn't expect this from John Blackwell. So that's a really good question. I'd have to crunch the numbers, but my recency bias tells me that yes, right now I would say he is. But I will say this too. Again, we're two months away from the season ending, two and a half months possibly. So there's a long way to go, and freshmen definitely hit lulls uh, at some point. They do. Um, one more before Jesse gets his next question, and this one from our guy Ryan Wing. He says, is A.J. Storm more Johnny Davis or Alondo Tucker? The player version, not the coach version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. uh, yeah, I, kind of the guy I thought he was most like was was. Uh, Lando Tucker. Um, but I, I do see some Johnny Davis in his game. And I think the thing that surprised me a little bit more about Stores is his three-point shooting, even though I think he put up pretty good numbers last year. Um, 
and really that, that that number's kind of fallen off. Well, I was going to talk about three point shooting at some point because I figured you guys would get to that, but he's only at like twenty nine percent, so yeah, that's fallen off a little bit. But I think he's got a nice stroke, and I love three level scores. And you know, you look at their free throw numbers; he's a big reason why those free throw numbers have gone up, both in terms of quantity and and efficiency. Um, so I think he's got a little bit of both in them, but I don't know. If they've had a guy that can jump through the through the roof. Um, like he does uh, since Tucker. Let's get to the question that I feel like I've been asked the most. I have to imagine it's popped up in your mentions and in I your know it's coming. I know it's coming. Okay. What is your perspective on what the hell has happened with Connor Seijin and where do Greg Gard and Connor go from here? Yeah, it's a great question uh, because I do think they're going to need him. Uh, I, I think at some point, either a team goes zone against them or they just get in a lull or there's an injury and, and he's going to need to play. And it's really hard to just go from a guy who, you know, barely is getting in the game at all to suddenly be counted on for 15 minutes or so. Um, I just don't know how you get there. I really don't. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I've seen a lot of people even this morning on Twitter complaining about it after, after the Iowa game, which is weird because they scored 83 points. And, you know, it was a pretty good offensive game. I just don't know where, I don't know where his minutes come from. It's just, it's a numbers game to me. Uh, you're not going to take away AJ Storr's minutes. Uh, Max Klesmet is essentially the new Brad Davison slash Josh Gosser slash insert your tough guy um, who plays a good defense. And it's just, you know, the Mr. Everything on the court that needs to be out there because he's a glue piece. Um, and then Blackwell, I just don't know how you take away minutes from Blackwell right now. So, Unless you shrink into all three of them and and get a season ten to twelve minutes a game, I, I just don't know what happens. And of course, the the reason why here is defense. Uh, he struggled with that area of the court last year, uh, but they needed him on the they needed him on the court so badly because that was such a bad offensive team, and they they needed his contributions offensively. And he won a lot of games for him by being a really good offensive scorer. But I think some people have forgotten that he's. I think the last eleven games he was like. 13 of 62 or something from three point range, like 21% and then got injured this year to start the season and, you know, was slow to get back in the lineup. And by that point, Blackwell was, you know, almost irreplaceable off the bench. So that's my long winded way of saying, I don't know. Cause you know, you would have liked to have seen him get a little bit more minutes against Chicago state, Jacksonville state, those types, but he got in the Chicago state game and instantly was pulled because he broke a defensive rule. What we don't know guys. And I've said this, a million times over the years is we don't know what happens in practice. Uh, we used to know when we, when we were able to watch, you could watch a guy like Andy Van Vliet and say, Hey, this is why Andy Van Vliet's not playing more. Even though the fans see his three point stroke and want him playing more. Um, we don't know that with season because we don't get to watch practice, but I can only assume that a season's not playing well defensively in practice. And that's how you earn minutes in this program. Um, and then he got a chance to get in a game and he broke defensive rule and he was right back on the bench. So I don't know. I honestly, I think they're going to need him, but I just don't see you can't work him into games where it's going to be competitive like last night. Does it make I, you wonder what his future is here? Yeah, it does. I hate playing that game because, you know, like football, I had a mailbag question late in the football season. Like, you know, who do you see as the guys most likely to transfer? And and I could have named five to 10 guys. And you know what? <laughs> They've, a lot of them have transferred, right? It, it seemed pretty obvious. Um, But I hate playing that game. Uh, I can't imagine a guy that's going to play that small of a role with Max Klesmet and AJ Store and John Blackwell coming back next year is not going to look elsewhere for a potential playing time. Uh, I will say this, you know, bo reading body language is always tough. Um, he's his body language has been good. Uh, he's been celebrating with teammates after games. He's been smiling. You know, it's just that part of his game is good, and you hope he can work out of this funk. But again, unless you start getting creative with with small lineups where AJ store goes to the floor. I just don't see any more than 10 minutes a game for him. You talk about the last, whatever, 11 games that he's been shooting, go back to last year, the last 10 or 11 games of last year. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah. No, that's yeah, what I was saying. You, it was like, it's, I mean, it's, put, it's, it's a pretty big sample right now. of, of Yes. Of yeah. yeah. I mean, it's almost, I'd say it's almost two thirds, maybe even more of a, of a full season of what he's been shooting from the outside. He, he, he doesn't have it right now. And maybe people are like, well, you need to give him game reps. Well, he needs to prove he can do it in practice before he gets back out there. I did think it was interesting, though, that um, Greg was at. I mean, he wasn't even asked directly about Connor Asijan. I think he was asked about 
playing. I don't even like a question that I don't think had anything to do with. It. We brought all three of those guys in, whether it was, you know, Mike, Marcus Silver or a Siegen or Isaac Lindsay saying, I need to get all these guys more time. And um, I, I don't know if you do. I, 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 they obviously they obviously work their butts off in practice, but if you have a really good rotation, especially ones that you trust on defense, that it's it's tough to take those guys off the floor in um, against a team, especially against a team like Iowa. But I guess uh, we'll see. The, speaking about the three pointing, uh, the three pointing, the three pointers, and their struggle to hit from the outside. How ridiculously good could this offense be if they were able to start hitting some shots from the outside? I mean, they're right now scoring the way that they are. We, we've talked about it earlier in the show, you know, being the highest scoring offense in the last 30 years. Do you think their three-point shooting is going to come around? Because there are there are certain guys on this team that historically have been much better three-point shooters than they are right now. Yeah, so I look at candidates of guys that could their numbers should could and should shoot up. Chucky Hepburn's at 25.6%. Klesman's at 30.6%. Stores at 29.8%. Um, those are numbers that you know, I can see being in at very least at 33%. So that's, that's a pretty big gain from three guys, right? That, that, that sends those numbers through the roof. However, uh, Stephen Crowell is 11 of 16 right now from three point ranges. That's 68.8%. I can't imagine you, him sustaining that. Right. How do you get, how do you get him to shoot more? Right. You, that's that's right? the question. And you want him to take good shots, but yeah, I mean, 16 is a awful low attempts for a guy that's hitting almost 70%. Um, and Blackwell's hitting 46.2%. And I you know, hinted at this before, but you know, when do the legs start going a little bit? Because it's a longer season than he's used to. And, and does that number drop? So do things equal out a little bit and you're still kind of a 32, 33, 34% team? Maybe. I think what the thing is, percentages don't matter much once you get to the postseason. Um, you need to get hot for a game or two. Uh those those games where maybe you're not getting to the free throw line or or not finishing as well at the rim, or you're just running into an offense that's really, really good and you need to outscore them. Um, so if you shoot 32% during the regular season, it doesn't mean you can't pull one out of your hat uh, in the postseason. And I think this team's capable. I think it's, it's um, you know, shooting is contagious. Again, if Connor Seasian can somehow get on the court and be one of those guys that leads that spark, um, that's that's even better. One of the guys in the regular rotation that we haven't even mentioned his name yet here in our conversation with you, Jim, is Tyler Wall. And, you know, I wonder what last season would have been like if he had been healthy. Obviously, they had a lot of flaws, but they were playing so well before he got hurt. And I know he's talked about even when he came back, he was nowhere near 100 percent, but it was the middle of Big Ten play and he didn't want to miss out. What do you think his value has been to this team this year? Because to me, it's like one of the more underrated additions to the team i think people maybe just because he's been here so long you don't think about it I, I, i'm wondering what your perspective is on what he's provided this year yeah first of all he, he does so many things well like last year you couldn't take him off the court even as as much as he was struggling offensively you can't take a guy like that off the court because he's such a good defensive player uh rebounding all that stuff you know all the all the building blocks of this this program the foundation of this program he checks off a lot of those boxes but now that he's being more efficient um, I think it's it's a big reason this offense is where it's at. Um, he's getting to the free throw line. He's making free throw lines at a better rate. Um, I think him and Crowell on the offensive glass has been, um, you know, phenomenal. Like I, I crunched some numbers this morning, and I think this is their best offensive rebounding percentage uh, since that 16-17 team where Ethan Happ and, and Nigel Hayes were grabbing so many offensive boards. Um, so that's that's huge because you're gonna miss shots, but if you can get second chance points and extend possessions, um, this program has not traditionally been a big offensive rebounding program, but they've got two guys that can get to the glass and 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 you know wreak havoc there. And I think that's big. And, and Wall's been a big, big part of that. I have a a bigger question. Jess, you have any more questions? I wanted to ask about Herb Cole because um yeah. obviously Greg talked about him afterwards, but what was in your mind his impact on this program and uh, I, I, again, the athletic pro- program overall at Wisconsin, but specifically basketball. Yeah. I mean, getting that building built uh, was such a big step as much as I love the field house. And I loved watching games there when I was a student, um, they needed something bigger. They needed a multi, um, you know, functional facility for, you know, practice and, and games and hockey and all that. Uh, so for him to put down, that dough 
was big. Um, and you know, he's, you can't, I know Ab Nicholas has his Jersey hanging in there. Um, but Herb Cole's got his name on that place for a reason because, uh, you know, he, he really made that project possible. And I still remember Dick Bennett being here and, um, those guys being on the site of the, it's so crazy to think of that site without the Cole center there, but then, then being on their site and doing, you know, um, I think they, didn't they bury like, a um, something with like the program's foundational, um, core basically. Do you remember that Zach? I like don't. Talking? I don't. I think they. I think they buried and because they had that first recruiting class on the way with Vershaw, oh, Kowski, sure. and Kelly and those guys. Um, so, and again, not possible without Herb Cole. So, I, you know, I don't know where this program would be if not for him. Um, there's a lot of important figures in, in this program's history. Bo Ryan being a, a big one, um, but but Herb Cole is definitely on that list of of guys you need to mention. You got any more, Jesse? You guys think that this is a second weekend team? Yeah. Ask me questions. You, yeah, sure. <laughs> you are a journalist. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I do, but I am also feel like we're coming off the high of watching what they did against a bad Iowa team and the way yeah. they've so far. I think it's the depth that makes all the difference in the world. And what was the big bugaboo last year? They'd go eight minutes without scoring and make Badgers fans want to tear their hair out. I feel like I really haven't seen that a ton this year. That's not to say it won't happen in March, but. Well, I mean, why can't they be a second weekend team? If you if, right. if we extrapolate this out, shouldn't they be a top four, five, six type? I mean, six feels like that's they had a bad stretch or something like that. They should be in a really good position, shouldn't yeah, they? I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're legitimately playing for a top four seed. Um, they got. I mean, they, they have some work to do to get to that point. But again, I don't think the Big Ten is very great which probably hurts them it's in, to some degree, but if you finish second or third in the big 10, that puts you, I think in that four to five range for seeds. And then, you know, you're basically playing a coin flip game in the second round, assuming you get that far. Um, and they're bound to win one. I mean, there's, I, I feel like they have the pieces and who knows what the bracket's going to look like, but um, I, I think you hit on it, Jesse, the depth. I look at the minutes numbers. I mean, Chucky Hepburn's at like 30 minutes. He leads the team in minutes those numbers traditionally are like in the 33 and 34 and 32 range and i think guys are wiped out by march so that's the other thing that's that's very it makes me very optimistic is i think you're gonna have some fresh legs on this team come march and that's that's a good thing are you gonna I have guess. some go ahead jesse well i also think back to two years ago when they had johnny davis and they were a two seed right in and they had the in first two games in milwaukee but it was like I know they had other issues. Chucky got hurt. They didn't really have point guard help, but it was everything was basically riding on your national player of the year guy or your all American guy. And, and so people couldn't believe they lost as a two seed, but this team to me is so much more well-rounded and so much better that I will be more surprised if they don't make it out of the first weekend. Yeah. I think, I think balance is, is key that time of year good guard play right i mean they have experienced guards they always say experienced guards win in march and and hepburn and klesmet um are have as much experience as probably anybody around the country so i think there's some good signs uh certainly you have you have to have guys like Crowell keep playing the way he is i think he's a little bit of their x factor because I, th I think there's so much potential there and he's all of a sudden turned into like a 12.7 rebound guy um and that's that's huge is there any chance that they challenge purdue for the title I don't, I'd be surprised. They get them twice. I mean, if you beat them at home, Purdue's already got one loss. Um, the thing is, I looked at Wisconsin's schedule. There's a chance that this, this January schedule is pretty favorable. There's a chance they get out of this month, eight and one. That seems a little bit um, optimistic because you're going to lose one that you probably don't think you're going to lose. So but even if you're seven and two going into February, and February gets much tougher, that's when you play. Purdue twice, or I guess that one of those games is in March. You play Illinois early in March. Um, you play some tough road games. So, I don't know. I Purdue looks so good at times that I don't know that I see anybody um, seriously um, challenging them. But, you know, Wisconsin can pick up some quality wins along the way. Finish second, like I said. They, they built a pretty good non-conference resume. Um, I do think they have a chance for a top four seed. And then, you know, that's Again, that's a favorable position to be in. Really interested to see how Illinois deals. Yeah. I know I know last night what happened, right? Uh, you know, 
taking care of Northwestern by 30, but without having Terrence, Terrence Shannon, um, it feels they may be able to overcome it on a, on a sometimes basis, uh, largely because of um, Marcus Domask, but losing guy was averaging over 20 points a game. It's that's not exactly something you're going to be replaced easily. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the reason why I, I think I started off when you asked me this, I thought they were a top five team when the season started. I think my expectations were um, two, three, four, somewhere in there, probably three, four after non-conference play. And then the, the Shannon um, suspension probably kicked them above Illinois in my mind, but I still think there's a tier one and then a pretty big gap between uh, before tier two and the Wisconsin types start. Yeah. Again, my feeling on this this whole season is, especially offensively for Wisconsin, is they are um, the things they're doing right now are sustainable. Yeah. It's not like they're hitting like a couple years ago when they were hitting like forty five, you know, forty two percent, forty three percent from three. You knew it wasn't going to stay like that, and it right. didn't. But this team, what they're doing is sustainable because they're doing it without the three point shooting for the most part. Obviously, Crowell and. Blackwell, but for the most part, they're not getting it done from the outside. So to me, what you, this is sustainable. And if you were able to add that little bit more into it, they become that much more dangerous. Agreed. Yeah. I think there's a pretty high ceiling for this team if they can figure out how to knock down some shots from the perimeter. Yeah. So, well, are you going to have some fresh legs now? I, the, no football traveling. Obviously, you're going to have the Packers to deal with, but we'll see. But is this a little downtime for, for Jim Polzine right now? I don't know. I'll be at basketball Saturday and Packers Bears Sunday and then maybe Dallas the next week. So I don't know. We'll see. There's a, there's a men's hockey team. That's pretty good that I feel like I've ignored uh, there's a women's <laughs> hockey team. That's perennially a national title contender. And I, you know, I like to branch out a little bit. So um, I asked Jesse that too. I'm like, Jesse, you get some time off now. He's like, no, because <laughs> the transfer portal never stops. And so it'll, it'll right, be slower. I, I guess I was more talking about the travel aspect of it. Like you get yeah. to sleep in your own bed a little bit more. Yeah, I think so. I think, I don't think the Packers are going to make a long run in the in the playoffs if they do, and I don't start traveling with basketball until postseason. So, yes, um, certainly will be uh, less time in airplanes. Do you miss any of the travel that you had when you were a beat writer? Um, it's funny. I was such a creature of habit that uh, I miss some of the restaurants. Like, like I like I'm thinking of Penn State right now. I went to the same breakfast place every trip there, and then I went to the same. The night I got there, I went to the same pizza place. And then the next morning I went to the same breakfast place. And you could pretty much say that for every Big Ten city. So I miss that routine a little bit. But man, winter travel is not great and being away consistently so much. Um I like the football schedule a lot better. Like I I just like the one game a week thing. And some of those I still remember that COVID year where that was my last year on the beat, where you know, and we were bare people were barely traveling. Um I went, I flew to Michigan for a game on Tuesday and then they played Rutgers on a Friday and I just stayed in the airport West and at Detroit. And that was, that was like a four day trip that felt like 14 days. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I traveled much after that. that. That one took a lot out of me. Yeah. I, but at least you stayed in nice places, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Marriott. I'm kind of a Marriott guy. Yeah. Well, no, and that's that I'm, I'm thinking that you've lost some Marriott points here. Uh, by not traveling as much, your your numbers aren't getting up where they they used to be. Are you are you disappointed that you're not putting up the numbers? Right, have you kind of fallen off? Is what I'm saying. Yeah, my numbers have definitely fallen off. Delta too. Like I think Delta just changed their point system, and I think now I'm just back kind of to just one of the people on the plane. I used to be able to board pretty early, and sometimes uh, every once in a while I get bumped up to first class, and there's just no chance of that anymore. Yeah, I'm just but, happy not to be at a Red Roof Inn. <laughs> I, was just about to, yeah. I was just about to say that. I mean, we're talking about Marriott's. You know, Jesse needs to become, he needs to pick a loyalty program somewhere. Even I if do. it's a Red Roof Inn, you just need to pick a loyalty program somewhere. I'm not sure Red Roof Inn has a loyalty program, but if they did, <laughs> I feel like I would be a platinum member. Uh, but I'm just glad to be staying in some better hotels these days. Well, I mean, when you put out, uh, when, when you can get it by the hour, probably don't have loyal loyalty programs. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm surprised they got you guys out of the uh, media hospitality room. I was, I, was kind of, I was expecting to wander in there yesterday and just have all you guys just be in there still. Was it still uh, open yesterday? No, I don't, I don't think it was. That would have been amazing. Spent seven hours in there on one of the days. Uh, but which, which wasn't even the, the beat record. Colton was there for nine hours. I know. Had to I, don't buy know how he, yeah, I don't know how he does that. He likes watching, <laughs> he likes watching football. That's That's... 
you could put that guy in front of a football game for 24 consecutive hours, and I think he would be as happy as anybody. Uh, we I, got out to do some golfing, so yeah. we'll get, we're going to get you in there one day, Jim. I promise. Someday. We'll someday you down. Someday down the road. See, I, I could spend eight or nine hours watching football, but that wasn't all that was going on in that room. So That's it's... <laughs> Uh, a few nights, a few nights was probably too much for me, but, um, and, and Jesse, the same for you, right? Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> staying up past midnight is a big deal for me. So doing that four nights in a row, I will, I didn't have much left in the tank, but you know, you know what I say every year, Zach, the bowl games are rewards for the beat writers too. What is it? How's it? How's media spelt? Uh, with an M and an E and an I. And yes, an I, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, Jim, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, We'll catch up next year, I guess. Thanks, guys. Always fun. All right. There he was, Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. Appreciate his time coming on. Uh, Jesse, we're going to finish up. As I already did a few of the Twitter questions with Jim, but there's there's a few more that were in here that uh, I'd like to get to. Uh, Kevin's wondering, does guard go all Bo Ryan on Chucky and store for the Showtime backboard alley-oop? <laughs> um i thought greg be- was i thought greg was surprised afterwards like he was and like he he went up and talked to him and was like oh is that the first time we ever had one of those and i think i don't think i don't think he hated it especially since it got finished what does going all bo ryan mean i mean if it results in two points and it works effectively i don't think he'd be that upset either well one of the more famous plays of bo ryan's tenure was harris to tucker and i'll remember that from uh Izzo. So, um, I don't remember what his what Bo's reaction was that to to that, but if you make the play, it's fine. If you yep. go behind the back like Sam Decker did on a on a pass <laughs> and it, it hits the a coaching on the sideline, you're coming out. And so, <laughs> yes, I, I will say Greg has a more lenient approach when it comes to offensive mistakes as it as he does to defensive mistakes. Would you agree with that? I think so. Yeah. It. It feels that way, at least. Um, again, I'm sure someone will tell me I'm wrong, but it feels like he's more willing to deal with offensive mistakes than he does uh, on this defensive assignment. So um, I kind of asked, I, I, yeah. Nuclear Badger asks, will the Badgers be able to sustain attacking the rim against teams with more defensive integrity than Iowa? Will they be able to sustain attacking the rim? Um, yeah. I don't think it'll be as easy. It sort of felt like anytime someone drove from the perimeter, they ended up with a dunk if they were capable of rising above the rim. But I do think that is a skill set that Wisconsin has with this group. I mean, we talked about how you know, Jim mentioned the offensive rebounding prowess, particularly of Crowell and Wall. And you look and they've got exactly half of the team's entire offensive rebounding output. So I, I think they also have the ability, if they get in there and it doesn't go well, to keep the play alive and score inside so i think i think they're going to have success in uh in a lot of different areas you don't get to this point average 75 points a game and have this many guys contribute without doing many things well and that's one of them yeah uh, joe's wondering what the achilles heel of this uw team is it was very clearly depth in closing games last year along with a lack of uh, offense um any insight on what could pop up and get them this year well, we talked about the the lack of consistent three point shooting. Um, I don't I don't know if there's one big area that would stand out, but I, I suppose I'd be more inclined to look at well, what happened in the three losses that they've had. Yeah, uh, teams were very physical. They I think it's going especially when you look at the NCAA tournament. I think it's going to take a team that is executing at an exceptionally high level to beat Wisconsin. Now, the problem is when you get to that point, the teams are in there for a reason and they're able to do that. But I'm, I'm almost inclined to look at it as uh, a team. Just, they're just going to have to be better than Wisconsin because I think they've got enough with the Badgers have enough pieces. They're going to make another team work for it to knock them out. I'll say their depth is, is good, but I also think if, you know, bringing in a guy like Nolan Winter or Kamara McGee or John, man, John Blackwell maybe doesn't fit this, but like some of the other guys, you could bring them in, and, and they're, they can hold their own. But if you were to lose Tyler Wall to an injury or lose Stephen Crowell to an injury or lose Chucky Hepburn to an injury or A.J. Storr to an injury, the replacement there is 
is not going to be at their level. And so I think injuries and, but that's, that's every team in the country, right? Uh, an injury could pop up and it could end your season kind of like it did for Wisconsin against Iowa state. I don't know that. I don't know if, if they beat Iowa state with Chucky, but I think it's a lot closer game than it, than it ended up being. So I will, uh, when, when I look at potential Achilles heel, I I'd say injuries, but again, that, that may be every team. I, I the one, the big one though, for me would be, be Chucky. Um, I know, Max has played point. I know John Blackwell was more of a facilitator in high school, and Kamari can do it. But Chucky, it just feels defensively and offensively, just feels like he's, I want to say, nearly irreplaceable. But again, I kind of feel that same way about AJ Storr and Tyler Wall and Stephen Krause. So I'm kind of talking myself in circles here. But injury wise, that would be that would be one that would certainly scare you. Chris says, I think I have cracked the code to every good Wisconsin team, an athletic wing player. Every time Wisconsin has a dynamic two or three, the offense hums. Am I wrong? Question mark. Uh, I'd have to really go back and look at it, but it certainly makes a big difference. And AJ, Johnny Davis, the the final four teams had a lot of quality. You had two first round draft picks. Um, what did the 16, 17 teams have? They had you know, Nigel. Bronson and, and Bronson and, and showy and yeah. Yeah. I don't know that they had a, a truly, truly athletic wing player on those teams. Yeah. I, think, well, well, I shouldn't say that. Clay Iverson was on those teams. There you go. So um, he wasn't necessarily as big of a part of them as an AJ store or Johnny Davis, but yeah, I mean, it, it helps. It certainly helps <laughs> if you can have a guy that can get to the basket like AJ Store does. Uh, JJ is wondering: uh, Can we finally say Wall is no longer a liability at the free throw line? We kind of talked about it earlier tonight or uh, earlier in the show. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, sixty-eight percent is is pretty good for where he's coming from, and what he did against Iowa certainly an encouraging performance. It was. Wisconsin uh, will look to keep it going. They take on Nebraska coming up here on Saturday. Nebraska 11-2 on the year. And then the Badgers uh, will hit the road next Wednesday to take on Ohio State. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about probably before uh, the Ohio State game because we'll have uh, Temple and High Alpern on on Thursday. So we'll be able to talk about uh, that game then. Again, we'll be at, uh, at Monks in Sun Prairie tomorrow, Thursday. For uh, Temple and Heilpern going to be there through the rest of the basketball season. Looking forward to it. Certainly uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate Jim Polzine's time. And uh, Jesse, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit later. Thank you. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.